Hey folks, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. Thanks for taking the time to join us today and Merry Christmas. At Clearview, we have been celebrating Advent, the anticipation of the coming of Jesus at Christmas. Well, today we're going to look at the Advent or the coming of love. Now, as I say the word love, all kinds of ideas and images go through our minds. Leading up to this message, I started by asking people a simple question. What do you love? And almost without fail, I received the answer in return. Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, what do you really love? And I got all kinds of responses. Now, some people love a good bacon double cheeseburger. Mm, that'd be so good. Now, some people love a good book and some people love their car or their truck. And some guys said they love their wife. And just a side note, don't you know, place your wife and the burger in the same category. That's that's very dangerous grounds to be walking. <laughs> what, I've, what I'd like to highlight for you today is if you ask people what they love, the response is actually all over the map. And here's why. Because we don't have a real good working definition of love in our culture. And it has kind of become a junk drawer word where we kind of throw everything into you know that drawer in your house where you just shove stuff that you don't know what to do with? And because the word love has lost its weightiness and power in our culture, when we talk about the love of God for us, it has lost some of the awe in the advent or the coming of love in the person of Jesus. So this Christmas Eve, I want us to look at real love, not shallow, powerless love, not the same love that you would say you love a good brisket, although that's good, but real love that is extended to all of us in the coming of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, please turn to 1 John 4, 9. It says this, this is how God showed his love among us. Now, John says here that God is going to show his love visible. He's going to be among us. Well, how? He sent his one and only son into the world. So catch this. The active person in all of creation, God the Son, it's the second person of the Trinity, humbles himself and puts on this. He puts on flesh. Now, maybe you're in better shape than me and you're like, well, I get that. I'm in pretty good shape. That makes sense. But listen, the eternal God becomes his creation. He comes in the most vulnerable way as a baby. This is what we celebrate at Advent. I want you to think about this. He needs to be nursed and cared for. He needs to be burped. God in the flesh became like us. He dwelt among us. Now, why does he come? That we might live through him. You see, in the coming of Jesus, that first advent, he ushers in a distinction for life that our world doesn't have. There, there's a difference in being alive, fully alive in Jesus and simply existing, kind of going through the motions. See, the Bible would say that is not the same thing. Now, that's not to say that people who don't follow Jesus can't experience life or even a good time. Like, you don't have to be a Christian to love your spouse. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy good food. You don't have to be a Christian to love your kids. But I will tell you that outside of Jesus, there's kind of this, this lid on that enjoyment that robs you from enjoying the fullness that is offered to those who follow Jesus. And here's why. Because those things were never meant to bring fulfillment in and of themselves. So, 
uh, you can have the steak and that's good, but it's not all it's meant to be. All you have is sex and that's good, but it's not all it's meant to be. And all you have are relationships and that's good, but they aren't all they're meant to be. There's a limit on those things in our lives until we acknowledge there is a creator who gives us these good things so we might worship him. So listen to me. Whether you realize it or not, you were made as a worshiping creature. All of us are worshiping something. Some of us, we worship self. Some, it's material things, which we can get caught up in this season. Some, it's pleasure. Your wiring is made for worship. What the follower of Jesus gets is to marvel that God would give us good things. So let me give you an example of how this has played out in our lives, specifically in the life of my daughter. Our daughter, Eden, for the longest time, when she was just little, I was trying to teach her that God is good and God loves her. And for her, as a three-year-old, four-year-old around that age, God was good simply because God created the colors pink and purple. He didn't have to, but he did. Why does God do that? Because he is good and he loves us, so he gave us colors. And he didn't have to create food to taste great, but he did. And he didn't have to create pleasure in intimacy, but he did. See, in our, our passage, we read, this good God made love visible. If you want it to know what love is, God made it visible to you and among you in the person of Jesus. The coming of love. John 10.10, 10, Jesus speaking, says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, it is a cultural lie that considers followers of Jesus to be repressed. We are people who celebrate the good gifts and look past them to the one who is the gift giver. The giver of life who is love and showed love by coming that first advent, that first Christmas. Now, John then defines love for us in verse 10. He says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I might get myself in trouble over this, but my wife, Sarah, she's, she's awesome. She's great. And when we sit down to watch a movie, most of the time, it is an action movie. There's explosions and fight scenes and the good guys are taking out the bad guys and I love them and that's me and she's so gracious and she sits, she sits through them. But every once in a while, she'll want to watch a romantic love story. And, you know, being the fantastic husband that I am, I do. No, but we do. We do watch some of these love stories sometimes because I know what's good for me. So I watch them with her. And here's, here's what I've noticed. And this is no judgment on you if this is what you're into. But some of these storylines in these romantic movies, this idea of love is messed up. Let me give you an example. In the movie The Notebook, it's rated, you can Google this, it's rated one of the most romantic movies of all times. You have this woman who's engaged to a man who loves her. He cares for her. He provides for her. He loves her parents. He gives her this huge rock of a ring. And what does she end up doing? She goes off and spends a full weekend with a guy she knew from high school. And this is, this is rated one of the most romantic movies we have ever seen. This is, it, this is supposed to be true love. And I know... I just made some enemies. If that's what you're going to do, that's fine. But this is a really bad definition of love. Hear me. Human love is tainted and broken. And there's no version of it that we should look and say, hey, that is what love should look like. 
Think of, think about this. Think about the person that you would say you really love. Have you ever failed them? Have you ever fallen short? Maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally? Have you ever hurt them? Of course we have. So why would we start with us? What the Bible is saying here is you can't start with you to define love. You have to start with God who is love. And we see that love is defined in the sending of Jesus and his mission. Why did God leave the glory of heaven and come that first Christmas? You know, born in a stable, born in humility, taking on the form of his creation. We read this in verse 10, he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, in our culture, we don't like to hear this. But the message of the Bible isn't that all of us are good people and we're just a little misguided. No, no, no. The message of the Bible is all of us without Jesus are lost in sin. We're separated from God. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, not when we were strong and had it all together, at the right time, Christ died for, what does it say? The ungodly. Well, that goes against what a lot of people think. He didn't die for the godly, but the grimy. All, all of us fall short of his holiness, his perfection. Verse 7 says, For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do you define love? You define love by the perfect holy one. God approaching those who are imperfect, unholy, and ultimately laying down his life so that we may be rescued and delivered from our foolishness, our sin. And I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Jason, this is Christmas, man, lighten up. But hear me, if you get that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's holiness, if you really grasp that because of sin, you are separated from God, what did God do in light of all that? He moves towards us. He sent his son. He came to give life. This is actually the message of Christmas. God enters into human history to rescue us, to be our hero. If you submit and place your faith in Jesus, your story is one of saving, of rescuing. In light of our separation from God, God moves towards us in love. That is how love is defined. Now, not only has God shown us love, not only has he defined love by coming to us, giving us life and saving us, his love is to be known in our minds, but also experienced in our hearts. So let me explain. Just the other day, I was helping our oldest study for a test. And he was learning all these formulas and all these definitions. I think it was for chemistry. And he said, Dad, I'm learning all these things. I have them in my head. I'm learning all these formulas. But what does it mean for real life? He's kind of like his dad, a very practical thinker. And I think this is how many people live their lives with God. The love of God is not supposed to simply be this doctrinal definition in our heads, but it's something we are meant to experience in and through our lives, in the lives around us, as we live each day. Spence Jones puts it this way, knowledge of Christ's love, in the sense of an inward personal experience of it, its freeness, its tenderness, its depth, its patience, is the great dynamic of the gospel. This love is transmuted or transformed or changed into spiritual force. 
As the breeze fills the sails and bears forward the ship, so the love of Christ fills the soul and moves it in the direction of God's will. Here's what he's saying. We know the love of God in Jesus because God's word tells us this. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want you to understand, I need you to know, and we need to know that God's love affirms, is affirmed in his word. This is unmovable, this is unshakable, this is foundational. Whatever comes my way, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And even when I don't feel like that on a Monday or throughout the week. This is rooted in the truth of God's word. But then there's also a desire to feel it in my inner being. The Apostle Paul, who actually wrote Romans, would also say, oh, that I may know him. This is a guy, I want you to think about this, who talked to Jesus, who wrote half the New Testament, who raised people from the dead, yet he would say, oh, that I may know him. What does that even mean? Well, he's talking about an experience in the inner soul that moves past just an intellectual understanding. Now, as I say that, most people think this happens, you know, when you're in a worship gathering or there's music is just right and the band is playing my favorite song and there's this idea that this experience of God's love happens in this big room with the lights and the great production, and it can. I mean, I've experienced that. But let me tell you more consistently, that is not where I've experienced the love of God on a frequent basis. It has been in the places where I have quieted myself. I have been overwhelmed by the love of God driving my truck alone, coming home from work, and the Holy Spirit just ambushed me. To the point that I actually have had to pull over the vehicle. And I think we get silly about this sometimes. So hear me, you can experience the love of God anywhere. Wherever you are listening to this message, this Christmas Eve, you can be overwhelmed by the love of God. That he really loves me? And that becomes the wind, as we read, in the sails of life that transmutes or transforms into spiritual power. Now, as I say that, I know we are all over the place when it comes to experiencing God. And you might be asking, how do I experience more of God's love? Well, the easiest way to experience more of God's love, and this is going to sound so simple, is to ask him for it. And some of you immediately go to this place where you're thinking, no, 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 Pastor Jay, I, I couldn't. I, I'm not good enough. You don't know what I've done. Listen to me. We try to morally purchase from God what is freely given. We just read this in Romans 5. It is the weak. It is while we were still sinners who get to experience the love of God and that becomes our strength. 
that God moves towards us, not away from us. When we are celebrating Christmas, we're celebrating that love has been revealed in the sending of Jesus the Son, that we might experience life, that we might have forgiveness of sin, and that we might be made holy and spotless before God. That is why the message of Jesus is good news. This is love. Christmas is coming. The advent of love, the invasion, if you will, of God, pure love invading the darkness, not because we loved God, but because God loved us. This Christmas, may you know the love of God. Not just know it up here, but really know God's love for you. So listen, maybe you are watching and you would say you are a follower of Jesus, yet this experience of the love of God is not as common or consistent as you would like it to be. I believe he wants to show you his love maybe more than you even realize. I mean, if me, think of this, as an earthly father, I am desperate for my kids to know I love them. I want them to know that I care. I have a few of my kids right now are at that age where they're, I ask them a question, they kind of, ah, oh, dad, and they roll their eyes and give me a little bit of an attitude. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna keep telling you, I love you. And maybe that is you spiritually. Maybe it's hard for you to believe that, that God loves you that much. And you think you gotta work for it. When the real prayer God wants you to hear is, help me experience your love in such a way that it drives out any doubt that I may ever have. And he runs to that. He shows up when we are open to him. I want you, as we celebrate Advent, if you are a Christian, to have a new hunger to experience the love of God and to know the height and the depth and the width and all of that and the inner being that moves past just knowledge to real spiritual power in your life. And maybe, maybe you're watching and you don't follow Jesus. I wonder that maybe you are watching this Christmas to hear me say this, that even though you are weak and maybe you feel stuck and maybe you think you've gone too far, that this whole season is the message that God loves you and is moving toward you to save you. I'm not saying life won't have its problems. I, I'm saying you can rest in the unmovable, unshakable love of a savior that is available to all who would place their faith in Jesus. This is the message of Advent, that love has come. Why don't you join with me as we pray? God, I thank you that you are a God who moves toward us. You have come to us. You offer your love. You offer life, you offer peace and hope for all those who place their faith in you. Lord, I pray for those this Christmas who feel distant from you. They feel they've gone too far. They believe the lie that you don't care about them. I pray they would experience your love now, wherever they're listening, wherever they are, that they would be overwhelmed by your presence. For those who would say they are followers of Jesus, I pray Lord, that you would instill a new hunger within us to know your love and be confident in your love that would lead to spiritual empowerment in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining us this Christmas Eve. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. And Merry Christmas. God bless you.